Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast of Venture Church in South Mississippi. Find out more about us at VentureChurch.org. Come on, church, if you believe that we serve a good God, can we celebrate him in the place today? At all of our locations, can we celebrate? Hey, we want to welcome you. Thanks for being here today, Adventure. Everybody here that's at Lincoln Road, to all of our friends over on North 31st at the Hunt Club campus. I don't know if you guys know this, but today is the fifth anniversary of the Hunt Club campus. So can we celebrate what God's been doing over there? Man, it's incredible, the redemption, the lives changed, the reconciliation that God's bringing over at the Hunt Club campus, and then our pioneers in Wiggins at the Stone County campus. What's up, everybody? And then to my friends and family down on the Gulf Coast at the Gulf Coast campus, welcome. We're excited. I miss you guys today, and then all of our friends and family across the globe, the Haley's watching in Washington State at Church Online, welcome to Venture. We're excited that you're here. My name's Blake. I have the honor and the privilege of serving as the campus pastor at the Gulf Coast campus. I have an incredible wife. Her name is Lauren, and we have a one-year-old little girl named Henley, and she is running our lives. Let me tell you, I am guarantee it, and like literally running. She just started like walking everywhere, and so she wants to run all across the place and find the Tupperware container drawer in every house that we go to. Like that's the stage we're in right now, but there's so much to celebrate because God's doing some really cool stuff. So can we celebrate a little bit before we dive in to the message this morning? I'm excited. I think God's got some really cool stuff. So about a week ago, uh, we had a guy that came to church on the Gulf Coast for the very first time. And he walked through our doors, and then a little bit later on Wednesday, we, we went to grab coffee, and he said something to me that really blew me away. It's something that I've been believing, but hearing it from someone else was incredible. And he said this. He said, Blake, I've been living on the Gulf Coast for 30 years, for over 30 years, and I've been praying this prayer. God, put a church on the Gulf Coast that can sustain a revival in our area. And because he's believing, he's like, I know there's going to be revival that comes. So bring a church that can sustain the revival that I know you're going to bring. And he said, Blake, when I walked into the doors of Venture Church for the first time on Sunday, I knew that Venture was that church. And man, I was blown away by that because immediately God revealed something to me in my spirit. He said this, Blake, you remember the verse where Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Peter, you're no longer Simon, but you're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church church. I will build, not you will build, but I will build my church. And the gates of hell cannot, shall not, will not prevail against the church. Can I tell you today that we are that church, that what God has put in us is bigger, is for us, and it's for South Mississippi. And there are people down on the coast today that are hearing my voice for the very first time because of what God wants to do in South Mississippi. We are that church. And it's exactly for reasons like that that I love that we can do messages called the nine, that we can talk about the Enneagram, we can engage with culture because we believe that when we engage with culture, we reach people, unchurched people, that we never would have reached otherwise. And that's why I'm thankful for our pastor to have the vision to do this series. Are you thankful for our pastor this morning? Yes, I'm so thankful for him and everything that he's doing for us. And so two weeks ago, we started this message series, and he was talking about the ones on the Enneagram, the reformers. The people that make things better, they have an eye for critique that just allows us to take things to the next level. They are able to raise the water level with their work. They're able to see things that no one else is able to see. But sometimes that internal critic can 
become a little too loud. That voice can get a little too loud in their minds. And so Pastor Jeff helped walk us through that. And then last week he talked about the helpers, the twos in the room that come in and they serve and they help and they love and they give everything that they have. But sometimes they can give and give and give and give and never receive and it makes them resentful. And he helped us find steps to walk that back. And so today we're going to be talking about the threes. And full disclosure, I myself am a three, so it's going to be a little bit like doing some heart therapy this morning up here. But threes are the achievers. We're also called the performers. We are the people that will do whatever it takes to go to the next level. We love to achieve. We love setting goals and achieving those goals. There's nothing greater to me than a list that has the little check boxes. You know what I'm talking about. And they're sitting right there, and it's like, it's like do laundry, check. It's like do these things, check. Save the planet, check. You know, all of these different things. I love to check off those goals because when a three sets a goal, we have to achieve it. It just has to happen. And that's why you want threes on your team. Threes are the people that you want on your team in the fourth quarter. We get the job done. Now, we're not like ones. Ones will do whatever it takes to make sure that the job is done right. They want every little thing to be perfect. But for threes, we are quite okay with cutting a few corners to making sure that we are the first. We don't want to just do the best job. We want to be the best. And that is exactly why I'm a three. But here's my prayer today. As we talk for just a few minutes, my prayer is that if you are a three, that you'll begin to know yourself a little bit better. And you'll begin to know not just about who you are. Because the Enneagram messages, the nine, is not about just discovering who you are. It's about discovering what God wants to do in you to bring out the best version of you that he's called you into. And so that's what we want to discover. And if you know a three, our prayer is that you would begin to have a little compassion on us as threes, strap on the helmets, and get ready for the ride, because that's what we are all about. But can we pray together before we dive in? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we are so, so thankful for this time together. We pray that you would speak a new word into our hearts, that you would lift our spirits as we connect with you, and that we would see you face-to-face today, that you would have a fresh word for us to speak into our lives. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So how do we know a three if we see one? Like, what does a three kind of look like? So imagine this. If you're like a child If you were a kid and all you wanted was name brand clothes, you might be a three. Because I remember myself like little three-year-old Blake, I was rocking the Tommy Hilfiger. I was rocking the Dockers and the Hush Puppies, baby. Like I'm telling you, we were on it with the name brand in the 90s. Like I'm saying, if you were like a a young kid and was all about the name brand. Here's another example. Maybe you were on the football team and you didn't like the fact that you were like on the offensive line, but you wanted to be the quarterback. And you didn't have the self-awareness to know, like myself, that I was a short, squatty Blake. And so I wasn't really quarterback material. And so they put me on the offensive line. I was like, coach, but I'm a great quarterback. And he was like, no, you're not. You can't run. Like, just stop. And so, like, if you want to be the better version of whatever team, whatever organization, whatever it is, if you want to be the best, you might just be the three. Ricky Bobby is the patron saint of the three. I'm, I guarantee it. Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last. That's exactly right. Ricky Bobby is our patron saint. In America, we are so about this culture. 
with the go-getter culture. America celebrates threes, man. They love just to lavish praise on them because they're the go-getters. They're the ones that get the job done. It's almost like America's the land of the three and the home of the brave. But it's not the case all the time because sometimes there's a shadow side to a three because we'll want to achieve for achievement's sake. We want to gain success so that we can be seen as successful. In fact, today, just being completely honest with everyone in the room, everyone that's joining us at our locations, I wanted to do this message on Moses because Moses was a three, right? And so if Moses was a three and I tell you that I'm a three, then I'm like Moses. And we were going to do the burning bush and it was going to be great. But I remember sitting in a coffee shop when I had to put down my pen about my notes and God said, you're not going to do it on Moses. You're going to do it on a man named Jacob. And so today, I want us to look into this story of Jacob, a man who was broken, but a man who was achieving, and we're going to see some things that God wants to show us. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll open them up to Genesis chapter 25, starting with verse 21, and we're going to look at a man named Jacob, and we're looking at how he can find the three in himself, finding the three in me. Let's read together. Verse 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. And the Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebecca became pregnant. And the babies jostled each other within her, and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Free stuff right here. If That's the best place to go to if you're ever wondering about something. He went to inquire. She went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. And when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. And the first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. From the very beginning, Jacob was driven to succeed. This man named Jacob, when we saw he was at the very beginning in his mother's womb, he was wrestling to become in first place. He was striving from the very beginning. He was grabbing at heels when he was born of his brother because he was trying to get in first place. He was, that's exactly what his name means. Jacob means heel grabber. They weren't really great at naming kids back in the day. But his brother's name wasn't that much better. I mean, his name just really meant red. I mean, come on now. You could think of something better than that. But heel grabber is what Jacob meant. So all throughout his life, he was known as a striver. He was known as the heel grabber. Can you imagine going to school as a young kid and saying, well, there goes the heel grabber. Can you imagine that? That's what the life he lived. But there's something that I noticed is that Jacob didn't know from the beginning that he was striving. He wasn't conscious to know that he was grabbing at his brother's heel. It's just what he did. And so what we can gain from this as threes and know is that drive is not inherently a bad thing. Ambition is not a bad thing. Whenever we are born with it, and as a three, you know from the very beginning you are driven. You want to make things better. You want to be better no matter what the cost. And so Jacob knew that from an early age, and as he lived his life, he was ambitious. He was striving, and that's not a bad thing unless it's placed in the wrong path. It's only when we let our drive get the best of us and we start chasing after success and achievement for its own sake that things start to get a little hairy. You see, with Jacob, as he grew up and he got older, he would try to find ways to make himself first place. He would find ways to try to get ahead of his brother. There was a moment when he was a teenager, he was a really good cook, so he was in the kitchen making some soup. I like to imagine that it was potato soup. 
because that's my favorite kind of soup. And so he's up there making his grade A potato soup, and his brother comes in and says, Jacob, I am famished. I've been hunting all day. I need something to eat. And Jacob says, oh, man, sure. You can have some of my potato soup for your birthright. And it's in that moment that something switched in Jacob's mind. It's something that happens in the minds of the threes all, all day long for me as well and for people in the room who may be threes that we begin to take other people's places and put them underneath us so that we can get ahead. And it's exactly what Jacob did in that moment. He took the birthright from his brother. And ever since that moment, there was enmity between him and his brother from there on out. And he was willing to just get ahead and to push his brother aside. But here's the thing. This is what I know is that if we are threes and we are driven, and driven is okay, but if it starts to get into this lane of chasing after ambition and success and achievement, that that's not the right path that we need to go down. Instead, instead of chasing a position, instead of chasing a place, instead of chasing that promotion, we need to be chasing a person, and his name is Jesus. And that's exactly what we see in Philippians 2. It says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset that Jesus had. When being in the very nature of God, he is God. He didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is what our drive should be about, is pursuing Jesus. Not a place, not a person, but see on the inward heart at the very center of a three is a core motivation. The core motivation of a three is to feel worthy. Because deep, deep down, we feel shame. And so we feel like we have to present ourselves as driven. We have to be motivated to get worth. And when we start placing our worth in every other thing but Jesus, it's when things start to get crazy. That's what, exactly what Jacob did. And from the very beginning, he felt called by God, but he started placing his achievement. He started placing his ambition in places that it shouldn't be. He stopped focusing on God and started focusing on how he could get ahead of his brother. And that leads to a very dangerous place for a three. For each and every one of us who identify as threes, or maybe you're sitting in the seat and you don't know if you're a three, but this really resonates with you. Whenever our drive is not focused on Jesus, it leads to one of the worst places a three could be, which is the core sin of a three. It's exactly where Jacob went to. And that core sin is deceit. And I didn't want to acknowledge that when I first realized that I was a three. I was like, man, deceit, man, no way. I'm honest, Joe. Don't worry about that. I don't deceive. But there's something deeper that happens that we'll see in this next story. I want you to join me in Genesis 27, 5 through 27. And this is where Jacob begins to take his turn down into a role of trying to succeed in his own right. And it says this, now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And when Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats, so I can prepare some tasty food for your father, just like he likes it. And then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Basically, she's saying this is your chance. 
This is your opportunity to get ahead. And Jacob said to his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man and I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse rather than a blessing. And his mother said, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. And so he went and got him, and he brought him to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. And then Rebekah took the best clothes of her son Esau, the older son, which she had in the house, and she put them on her younger son Jacob. And she also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. And then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. And when he went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, he answered, Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau. Your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that I can have your blessing. Isaac said to his son, How'd you find it so quickly? The Lord your God gave me success, he said. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are really Esau or not. And then Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him, and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of Esau, so he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. And then he said, bring me some of your game to eat so I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate some wine and he drank. And then his father said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to kiss him and he blessed him. In that moment, Jacob made himself someone else so that he could receive the blessing of man. The deceit had taken root in his heart and he said, okay, I'm gonna build the mask. I'm going to set the stage. I'm going to have the performance ready so that I can receive the blessing. Now, get it. I completely identify with Jacob in this moment. In second grade, we went to this thing called Star Reach. It's where they would take some of the students from the school that I was at, and they would ship us over to Star Reach once a week. And so I went to Star Reach in second grade, and I remember that I had a brand new set of teachers. And I remember this new teacher. I could be anyone that I wanted to be because she never knew me. And so in this moment, I remember stepping into storage, stepping into that teacher's room, sitting down, and she said, introduce yourself to the class. I said, oh, this is my chance. And I said, my name is Blake Houston, and I am a bull rider. And they were, I remember the teacher looking at me and saying, what in the world? Second grade little kid. And I was like, yes, I am. But I knew that I wasn't just going to be able to say it. I had to sell it. So that night, I went home, and I made a little white lie to my mother. I said, mom, We've got this really cool thing happening at Star Star Reach next week. Instead of just going to class, they want us to dress up with who we want to be as a career. And mom was like, okay, that's awesome, Blake. Don't you want to be a vet? No, mom, I want to be a bull rider. And so we went to Walmart, and I got the shirt, the vest, the hat, the boots, the Wranglers. And I'm telling you, Old Town Road was probably my song as a second grade Blake if it had been out of Wranglers on my boot. You know what I'm saying? That would have been me because like I was all out bull rider. And so next week I went to the uh, Star Reach and I walked in and I like kicked the door and my little stirrups were sounding. And I said, my name is Blake Houston and I am a bull rider. I even had a little sign that said 147 with PBR at the top, professional bull riding. And that was me. And as a second grade kid, I thought I had made the greatest deception in the world. I thought that I had just set the stage to become the coolest person in Ms. Robertson's class at Star Reach. Of course, I didn't fool her. What second grade kid is a professional bull rider, obviously. But I had high goals. And that's exactly what Jacob did as well in this moment. He made the mask 
He created the costume, and he became someone else so that he could receive the blessing of man. Don't miss this. As threes, we can so often change who we are. Be Blake the great pastor. Be Blake the great friend. Be Blake the great family member. Be Blake the great husband or father. And we'll craft all of these masks and we'll put them on. And we will never know who the true Blake really is. We'll never know who the real true person really is. Just like Jacob didn't want his father to know who he was. And the scary thing about it is this. He fooled his father. And sometimes as threes, we can get so good at putting on masks that the people closest to us can never know who we really are. And that's the scariest, saddest thing because the core sin of a three is to see we get so good at pretending. Jacob got so good at pretending. And here's the thing. He got the blessing. He got the blessing from his father. His father ended up giving him what he thought he wanted, but it was just man's blessing. It wasn't God's blessing. Even though Jacob said, hey, your Lord, the Lord your God gave me success from the very beginning, I knew that God had placed something on my life, and so I'm going to finagle my way into receiving what is rightfully mine from the very beginning. And instead of getting the blessing that he thought, he only got Jacob's blessing, which led to exile. 21 years he had to run from his family because his brother came home and figured out what he had done. And so instead of receiving what he thought was rightfully his by crafting a mask, instead he had to run from what he thought was his destiny. And that's the flip for a three. We chase and we pursue and we try to get and we try to achieve and we try to succeed and we grab at heels and we do all of this work only to realize that the thing that we were chasing is hollow. Because here's the ultimate thing. God can't bless who you pretend to be. He can't. He won't. He won't bless the personas. He won't bless the mask. He won't bless the performances. When we craft these things as threes in our heart and we create all of these characters on a stage, he says, I can't bless that. Instead, you're going to get the achievement that you thought that you wanted, but it leads to exile. And so here is Jacob. He's isolated. For 21 years, he's chased. And even in those 21 years, he still succeeded. He has a family. He has kids. He has flocks and livestock and possessions and riches and all of these things. But there's a moment that happens that has to happen in the life of every three where we have to get real with ourselves. We have to become honest. And we all get to this place, and I've gotten to this place where Jacob did. Let's look right here in Genesis 32, 22 through 28. It all comes down to a moment where who Jacob was intersects with who God was calling him to be. Let's read together. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. And so Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and humans and have overcome. Jacob came to a place after 21 years where he was so isolated and alone. He had amassed all of this fortune. He had gained all of this success for himself, all of the achievement that he could handle, but his heart was still hollow. 
He was at a place where he didn't realize if he could go on any longer. So he went back to reconcile with his family. He went back to the place of the first deception. And he said, okay, you, everything that I have, I'm going to take across the river. All of my riches, all of my achievement, all of my success in my family is going to go across the river. And I'm going to be left alone with myself, the true Jacob. And he's standing alone. And it's in that moment where Jacob has pushed everything else aside that he meets one-on-one with God himself. Many people believe that the man in this story is actually Jesus, pre-incarnate. And so he's wrestling with Jesus all night long, and day is about to break, and it's coming on, and the sunrise is coming, and Jacob is wrestling, and he is not letting go. And I've always wondered, why is Jacob not letting go when he commands? It's because for the first time in his life, he has found the thing that he is looking for. He's pushed everything else aside, and he's saying, I have got God now, and I am not letting go until you bless me. I've chased after everything else. I've given everything else. I've tried to succeed in everything else, and it's all hollow. What good is it for me to gain the whole world but lose my soul? And so now I'm locking eyes with Jesus and Jesus alone, and I'm not letting go. And as a three, that resonates with me because I have to get to a place to where everything else that I've done in my life, everything else that I'm given is I'm saying, God, that's not good enough. God, I can't do this on myself. And so I see you here, and I'm not letting go until you bless me. And then Jesus does this. He takes Jacob back to the one place he's never wanted to go, which is to himself. And he says this, what is your name? And I'm reminded of a moment 21 years prior where Jacob's looking at his father and his father says to him, who are you? In that moment, he says, I am Esau. In this moment, he says, I am Jacob. In that moment, he is the deceiver. In this moment, he's the brokenhearted man with a broken hip and nothing left. In that moment, he is the one that's trying to get everything for himself. If this moment he's saying, I'm Jacob, I have nothing left. In this moment, he's saying, I am Esau, I will become whatever I need to be. In this moment, says, you are everything that I've ever needed to be. And he has to be honest with himself. And so the very first time in his life, Jacob is who he truly is. God brings him back to himself. But this is what I love about our Savior, and this is what I don't want anybody to miss at all of our locations. Don't miss this, that as soon as we're honest with ourselves, Jesus doesn't let us stay there. He doesn't let us just stay in our identity as Jacob. Instead, he says, no, you are Jacob, but you are no longer Jacob. You are now Israel. As soon as we are honest with ourselves, God takes who we are and redefines us into who he is calling us to be. He doesn't let us stay where we are. God can't bless who we pretend to be, but he will redefine us when we say who we truly are. And that is the story of Jacob. That is our story as threes. Jacob is who I am, but Israel is who God is in me. And in that moment when Jacob is saying, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I am Jacob. I am broken. God says, I am not afraid of your struggles. I'm not afraid of your shadow side. I'm not afraid of the darkest parts about you. I am the Lord Almighty and I have given you a new name. You are now Israel. You are no longer Jacob. I'm not afraid of your struggles. Jacob is who I am. Israel is who he is in me. And in that one moment, everything changed. In that one moment, he became one of the most influential characters in Scripture. In that one moment, God redefined his life. 
and given him the one thing he's always been looking for, a true identity, a true purpose, a true future in who Jesus is. And so if you're a three today or anybody across at all of our locations here that's sitting in the room at Lincoln Road, I'd love for us to read this prayer together to kind of orient ourselves around how we want to respond as a three. So if you'll read this with me, it says this, God, help me to find success in you and in you alone. Help me to strive for obedience as I seek you. I cast aside personal ambition and success so that I can be fully focused on you and your plan for my life. Amen. I'm going to ask that every head bowed and every eye be closed for just a few moments. There's something that I love about the story of Jacob is resonates so heavily with me is that for the rest of the time in scripture, when you read about Jacob, they change the name. Sometimes they'll say Jacob. Sometimes they'll say Israel. Then the next time it'll be Jacob. And then the next time it'll be Israel. And I've always wondered that. And the Lord finally said, Blake, it's because it's a battle of belief. Every day that you wake up, you have to choose who you're going to be. Are you going to be Jacob, the hill grabber? Are you going to be the supplanter, the deceiver? Are you going to try to make the masks? Are you going to open, open yourself up to me that day? And are you going to let me speak through you? Are you going to let me live through you? Are you going to be Israel? And then 400-something years later, after Jacob has already passed away and Moses is experiencing God through the burning bush, Moses asked the Lord this question. He says, who am I going to say sent me? Who am I going to tell the Israelites sent me? to them to rescue them. And God says this, he says, I am that I am. Tell them that I am sent you to them. I am the God of your father, Abraham, the God of your father, Isaac, and the God of your father, Jacob. And I've always wondered, I've been, God, why didn't you say the God of your father, Israel? Because you redefined him, you gave him a new name, so why are you bringing him back to that place? Why aren't you just gonna be the God of Jacob's good side? And he said this to me, he said, Blake, it's because I want to be the God of your shadow side too. I want to be the God of the darkest parts about you because in your weakness am I made strong. In your weakness am I showing strength to other people. And so I'm the God of Jacob too, not just of Israel. And so wherever you're at today, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what season you're in, as you sit with your head bowed and you're thinking about it, and you're like, is this me? Am I creating this mask? I don't know. I feel like I'm hiding so much from other people. God's saying the part that you want no one else to see, I want to be the God of. I want to be the master of. I want to be the Lord of. And when you give that to me, then I will make everything else happen because I'm the God of Israel, but I'm the God of Jacob too. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. We are so thankful by your grace and your goodness, how good you are to us. How thankful we are that you don't stop pursuing us. That even as we wrestle with you, as we wrestle with ourselves to try to figure out who we really are, you give us a new identity. Father, you say that I'm not just Jacob, but I'm Israel because that's who I am in you. And so, Father, I pray for every voice that's listening today. That if there's even that twinge of doubt of not knowing if there's masks in our lives, that you would just peel all of that away. Let us lift the masks. Let us stop the performances. Stop chasing after success and grabbing at heels. And let's just lock eyes with you, Father, so that we can say, I am Jacob. I am broken, but I am here so that you can speak new life into us. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.
Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.